Welcome to Inspiring Futures. I'm your host, Ed Cotton. This is a podcast where we talk about the how, what, and why of the future. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Futures. Um, I'm excited that George Oliver of Movidam, 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 great. Who um, we first talked a while ago, actually, wasn't it? When um, you actually did a podcast with me. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, how, and, and, uh, how long ago was that? Do you think it that, was five years ago? Yeah, it must have been right at the beginning of the journey. So, I mean, we've done over 350 interviews now with strategists, CMOs, CEOs, sort of creative leaders, uh, you know, across the globe on the Movidium Creative Leaders podcast. So it's actually great to be on the receiving end of it uh, this time with, with you, Ed. So thanks very much for having me. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I think I, think I you know, I remember talking, yeah, in the, in the early days when you were putting this together. So I think not only you were a, um, a, a leader in podcasting, <laughs> podcasting's come a long way. Well, podcasting is super interesting, and obviously, recently this week, we've seen the the acquisition of the Joe Rogan podcast by uh, by Spotify, which is telling, um, you know. And, and if you look at the the Spotify stock price pop of about five billion dollars after that, uh, so paying Joe Rogan looks uh, like a good deal. Um, but it's a signal, isn't it, to the others that you've got to you've got to move people over. <laughs> no, that's interesting. Um... Yeah, so let's let's talk about let's talk about you first, um, your traje- your career trajectory and how you sort of landed where you did, and then let's talk about the company and how it's evolved. So let's start with you. Yeah, sure. So, well, I mean, I I was at Bristol University, which is a, a, a town, a small, well, a, a large successful town in in the southwest of the UK, and I was at, did a study of physiology degree of all things with an eye to going to do medicine, and um, then I started teaming up with or helping out or bag carrying or, or bothering a, a rather well-known cameraman called Doug Allen. Um, when I was a student there, he, he's the wildlife cameraman for David Attenborough. So he, he, he does all these wonderful sort of you know, shots from Antarctica and things like that. And, uh, you know, that you will have seen and will be, will be actually world famous, whether you knew Doug took them or not, uh, waiting for six months in a hide in Antarctica to get them. Uh, you probably don't know, but so I started, I sort of bothered him. Then, then I actually dropped out of that course and started my own film production company, uh, but actually rather glamorous term for it, more video sort of services, right at the bottom end of the spectrum. Um, but but doing all sorts of things there. And I, I met my business partner Alex Vera at university. He was he was studying a business degree, and and then we after university we went out to create something called Pendragon Productions, which was um, just at the birth of of the 5D uh, camera, which was sort of the first camera that came along, offering a nice high definition image, beginning to democratise the nature of production. Uh, that didn't mean that the ideas got any better, but it meant the picture got shinier. It was a lot, um, also a lot more affordable, right? A lot more affordable, exactly. So you 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 could basically put a student loan onto a camera, and and you could suddenly do HD. And if you were clever, you could get a few brides to pay you for HD wedding videos and things like that. But no, that was just that was the start of the journey, and. Um, you, you know, it really is the immediacy that the technology gave us. You know, suddenly you've got two bits of equipment, one from Apple and one from, from Canon, and, and you've got a sort of fully-fledged studio if you've got the insights and technical understandings of the various software. And the internet was just, you know, really beginning to fire up then. And small, a small little thing or relatively small little thing at the time called YouTube enabled us to pass videos around. So, so we were really getting a handle for how people were going to... Um, oh, Ed, does someone else just join the call here? No, maybe um, maybe it's Alex who's my sound engineer. Oh, great, great. Oh, okay, cool. Sure that's, that's good. So no, we've well, we, and, and then so we we developed from there, and, and we served businesses like Vodafone, uh, Samsung, uh, from that production company that we established quite quickly, recognizing there was need for sort of B two B content, and and you know not everything was going to have the budget of a television commercial. In fact, nearly everything wasn't going to have the budget of a television commercial. And then there starts to be platform proliferation. So we thought, well, you know. You know, all these huge audiences are being gathered on all sorts of different platforms and, and folks were used to dealing with television questions. So we thought, how do we adapt or spread ourselves even thinner and thinner and thinner? <laughs> so, so that was really that, that process. And then, and then we kind of thought we were beginning to get some really challenging and interesting briefs of a sort of global nature. And we felt that the, 
the toolkit or the systems that we had were not satisfactory for executing at the level required for our general personal standards of, of production. And, and we were starting to deliver projects, large projects for people like Coca-Cola, you know, across multiple continents delivered in, in sort of 10 days, which, which some might see in the production world as a bit of a sort of race to the bottom. But because of the technology, it became possible. And, and then, 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 of course, it's the balance of the energy that goes into the ideas and the strategy and building the project before you press the execute button. Um, take, take us a little bit through because there's a big trans there's a big transition that happened. Yeah, in, well, in thirty seconds, so you've gone from making having a Canon and a Mac, working with a friend, making uh, wedding videos, to working working with Coca Cola. Yeah, so 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 exactly. Well, I mean, it, it, it was it was work. I mean, well, I think I think you know the thing about a wedding is it groups a lot of people together, and there's a there's always a best man at a wedding who runs a you know silicon factory in China who might know someone who might know someone who might give you a video commission and that's really how it works so we, 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 we worked a network of people to build the initial semblance of the production company we were trying to distance ourselves from sort of the society filmmaking or wedding films and, and move on to you know corporate productions which are much more interesting and there's more resource to, to, to do more stuff there um, and, and you know we, 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 we kind of went beyond the brief um, we probably didn't charge the right amount to get going um, but then we soon learned that how to run the business as well as create the films. So, so there's a there's a few things to unpack there. But ultimately, we 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 met a lot of midweight marketeers who had a, a a midweight budget and no understanding of how to commission something that wasn't through a TV commercial op operation. Yeah. Um, and so we 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 rode that long tail and um, we we did a lot of very very good work and we we started pulling in lots of different skill sets and lots of different people with different expertise, um, be that strategists, be that creative directors. And just at the time when some of these holding companies and really large agency groups started to shed some creative directors or they were getting frustrated with pitching a lot on, on the same work or competitively pitching and, and not, you know, I mean, there, there are some certain frustrations that were beginning to evolve in the structural systems of large agencies, which meant that we were able to poach some really interesting talent to work on interesting projects. And, uh, and we did it in a very sort of flexible and freelance way. And, and that meant that we could maintain our, our, our business. You know, we didn't have an office. We didn't have, uh, you know, executive teams. We had modular units of production that were strung together with, with little bits of code and technology. And uh, today, that looks like a very relevant world. Um, and, and, of course, we've, we've, we've developed that. Well, once we, once we got to a certain stage, we were running the production company for about 10 years. We got to a certain stage and we felt, well, either someone is going to do what we've done with Mavidium or we should do it, which is creating a sort of market network. So the concept that everyone in, 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 in the supply side or the producer, director, editor, visual effects artist, creative leader comes together and everyone coming together benefits everyone else on the, on the supply side. So effectively like a LinkedIn style thing for the creative community. And then that's really flourished and, and be very successful and grown. Uh, to you know, to tens of thousands of users in 170 countries around the world, and and people interact with each other and, and find work, um, and there's more entrepreneurial. So that's kind of like the, that's a that's a social, that's a creative community network. Yeah, it's a it's a professional social network. So there's a profiling capacity, so you can showcase your work, you can get credited to people that you've worked with, uh, you can blog on there, you can connect with people. You know, everything that you've seen in these social tools, which have educated everyone how to do it. So the Facebooks, the LinkedIn's, um, but it's very uh, you, you know it's got a very lovely UX, which we spent a lot of time designing because we knew that if creators were going to call it home, it needed to feel like home and look good. You know, um, whereas a lot of other places out there on the web, perhaps perhaps more geared yeah. for the suit. Um, and we understood these psychologists. I mean, a lot of this thing is about the psychology of being a freelancer. It's a, it's a very lonely and challenging thing at times. Um, and actually, if you can do it with a sense of community and there's a lot of learning opportunity there, uh, there's a benefit for everyone. Yeah. So, so you've now got the sort of two, is it two businesses? Um, so no, it's, it's not actually two businesses, it's one business. I mean, in the, the, the concept of the market network is you bring together the demand uh, and the supply. So the supply is, is, is flourishing and growing and talking to each other and finding work off each other, which we, we don't monetize as a business, but we give them the tools to be able to develop that, ultimately giving us the data and information about their skills, expertise and kit list. So when a 
you know, uh, you know, take uh, Coca-Cola comes along to us and said, look, we want to find a team of best fit in Beijing to shoot this thing. We can very quickly, all their agencies, we can very quickly alight on who those people might be based on their credibility, their availability, their credit system, their insurance background, their kit lists, their, their you know, right to work in that jurisdiction, et cetera, et cetera. So, so, so as opposed to having lots of little shops with independent insurance policies and independent business organization structures, we have the platform where we aggregate them all together and then we can navigate demand to the right people. Either, either they can do it themselves or they can come to us where we, we have a lot more access to the, to the back end of data. So how is, how is, well, a couple of questions. How has the network changed other than growing? Um, question one, and then how have the assignments changed over time? So I think initially there are no assignments. Um, and initially it was the hundred odd people that we had in our own production organization at Pendragon Productions. Um, people felt a need there was a there was an emotional or an evocative need for having something to connect and so that was what the the first head of steam or bow wave was on getting people to sign up and then when they came together they suddenly realized that actually there was opportunity that was not being uncovered i mean people people behaviorally stick in their same network um, but facebook's taught us that you can move make make seven or odd connections or so and then suddenly you're into other networks and you're finding other opportunities um so so at first, it's quite confusing for people. They'd seen it with the photographs being shared around. They've seen it with status updates being shared around. But then over time, it kind of gets more established. And then as you build a, build a footprint on Google, when people are searching for sort of cameraman in, in, in uh, you know, Florence, then our, our profiles start to appear on those searches. And then that, that brings in the demand as well. So, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. I mean, I think I think... Um, behaviorally, it's quite a leap for a marketeer to reach out on Movidium. Behaviorally, it's left the leap for an agency producer to reach out. Uh, it's, it's practically seamless for a production company producer to reach out. That's the way they find talent and teams anyway. So there's a behavioral change as you kind of go up the hierarchy towards the client. That being said, you'll look at clients, um, you know, such as, you know, avant-garde clients and, and that, that, that understand the system, they have internal production teams that they will use it straight away. So we can really act as a consultancy to act to, to move to the, to the team of best fit at that point. So yeah, what are, what are those type of relationships that you have with clients? Are they, are they, are they uh, ongoing or are they, are they ad hoc? Yeah, so most of them, most of them are, are project-based and ad hoc, um, but we often find that multiple projects start simultaneously and there's obviously also overlay. So, I mean, there is an element of income which could be considered a retainer, but we don't have contracts uh, as such. And I think, I think you know, long-lasting contracts um, you know, especially in the kind of corporate, <laughs> corporate, uh, you know, office space. So you will see these things getting thinned out, you know, time people want to be the Airbnb of everything and then have less commitment up front to a lot of stuff because of, you know, if, if there's 1.9 million coronaviruses out there and, and this one that has ha had this huge impact on us now, people are going to be very skilled at building resilience into their, their corporate and mechanisms and um, having, you know, less overhead output is one key way of of maintaining uh maintaining yourself is there is there a feeling that, that there's it there's a sort of um it puts a lot of pressure on pricing to the detriment of the individual because of being on the platform yeah so it's a, it's a highly competitive marketplace and then it becomes a pricing battle and lowest price wins I think I think there are some domains on the web that have um, that race around the marketplaces in 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 in, in price and, and it's lower value stuff. I mean, I think actually with film and video production at a certain level, um, it, it's more about the ideas and the clients are signing off the ideas that really zing with them. And when they're seeing, you know, uh, yes, they're getting the opportunity to put it out to two or three people, but not ten or fifteen. And to have you know picking picking the uh, the picking the best of the the, the, the crop, but you know the, I think it's still the ideas pay. I mean, if if they if they're looking for a day rate, most of most of the production industry. That's one of the things we've seen change actually is that production people are less project fees and more day rate uh, accountable now, um, which is which is which is interesting. I mean, it can be a challenge, or or you can build the confidence to get your day rate up. But you know, the, the, there is a huge range between an editor who might be some might be 250 US dollars a day, some might be 1500 US dollars a day. And now the reason why that is, is the portfolio, the background of work, sometimes simply the client just likes this job, you know? Yeah. 
No, that, make, that makes sense. So, um, what's happened to you in the last? What's happened to the to the business in the last three months or so? Well, I think I think it's 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 obviously been a very challenging time, but pretty much everyone and, and there's been opportunistic people out there and there's been uh, folks who are really really struggling and I, I think the way we're thinking about it at Movidium is that there's an acceleration um, to digital going on so things that were happening on a three-year time frame are happening in a three-month time frame um, that that means that I'm not saying that people are spending money but they are evaluating their resilience they're evaluating how they can um, move forward that evaluating how they where they need to put resource to move move forward and you know i think this old adage of sort of advertising and marketing into a downturn will probably ring true because you'll come out the other end and you'll have some brand recognition but what what we're seeing at Movidium is is people retracting you know to typical advertising budgets and coming up with other digital strategies so for example i mean i won't name the specific clients but we're seeing certain clients building um, educational material, digital education material, which has been shot in the home by the participants themselves. Now, the one thing about having a virtual or remote network of cameramen is that they've got the ability to film film themselves. Um, and so we're, we're seeing, you know, an educational, uh, because the, the end, end of year has been disrupted, we're seeing people build a masterclass series and educational series around certain skills. And so that sort of home tutoring piece is exploding. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, so it's all these sorts of things. Um, obviously, the, obviously the platforms such as the Zoom, we're seeing all these sort of things, and people, people can be connected. I mean, can valuable work happen? I think remains to be seen. Um, obviously, certain businesses are, 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 are very effective like this. I mean, you know, the, the famous businesses are, you know, automatic with WordPress or Jason Fried's Basecamp. You know, that the two, two you know, thousand man organisations that they've never had an office and they get together once or twice a year at a corporate offsite to, to kind of you know press the flesh or historically press the flesh and, and, and talk shop and i think more and more companies will will take a view simply because of the cost overhead of the forty thousand square foot in the cbd um but you know i think you know, companies that are going to make those decisions over a five-year time frame are now going to make them over a one-year time frame but what what about the sort of the sort of work that martin sorrell was talk, is talking about you go to ikea you sit down with them, they say, we need 400 pieces of content this year. And yeah. you have a calendar and you go get it done. Is that something that you could do? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we could do that. I mean, we could do 80,000 bits of content. We could do 100,000. I mean, I don't think Martin Sorrell's a factory uh, necessarily, you know, you know it's, 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 it's capped by the headcount of the people. Well, when you've got you know, 50, 60,000 people on a network all prepared to jump on those briefs and they're ver verified and curated, I mean, it's a flexible way of working. I mean, I think the, the factory output of having talent in a studio, yes, of course, it's organized. Yes, of course, you can go directly to it. Yes, of course, there is some fantastic work done by that. But yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's a competitive thing. Um, and what, what sets it apart is the is the the under the, the verification of these people and who they are and how they work and who they've worked with and why they're right for the business, um, but but ultimately, you know, the turntable stuff or the product video stuff, um, that sort of commoditized stuff that's churned out onto platforms. I mean, does that does that shift the needle for a brand identity or a brand? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, yes, it can be done, and there's plenty of people to do that work, but does it really shift things forward? Well, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think we've, for the last few years, we've been living with a, with a phenomenon of proliferating channels and the, the, therefore the need to put something in those channels. And, yeah. and, and, and so I think there's people's jobs inside of organizations is to go fill those channels and do it as cheaply as possible. Um, so I think that's one, the one side of it. The other thing I think is pretty fascinating could be for you guys. I talked to a, a guy working for when I think the world's largest language school, they do not have a digital, they do not have a digital plan. I.e., if they can't fly people to schools, which they own, they own the schools, they own the travel experience. They have thousands of teachers. There's no digital switch. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like you could be an amazing resource for somebody like that to go make, 
this content. Yeah, so that's exactly the good. They, they need, I mean, they can't survive. And if, if, if this thing goes on for another year and people, and people don't want to travel, people can't travel. I mean, they won't have, they won't have a business and I'm sure they're not the end. I'm sure they're not the only ones. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so there's, there's, there's events based businesses, there's, there's travel based businesses. I mean, I think one thing, and again, going back to the acceleration that we're seeing, um, it, it's again, it's the education piece. It's the partnership piece. So, so for example, if you look at my video, if you're curating, kind of a creator network those creators have all got you know hardware software subscriptions uh, updated hardware they formerly used to go to ibc or national association of broadcasters nab nab in las vegas to kind of review the new kit buy the new kit but but actually they're going to have this year's range of that and possibly next will be a digital experience of of what that kit looks like and the quality of it and how do you how do you give them that trade show experience with with a with a immersive digital experience so that's where we're seeing people and that's where the, you know we see an influx of you know games layer developers on Mobidium or designers that are looking to participate in those sort of projects. So um, no, definitely I think I think you know we 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 see ourselves as as, as having some of the the folks and the creative people who can actually build that new, newish reality, um, uh, which is which is definitely. I mean, I don't think it's going to ever be uh, you know 100% the way people operate because people love getting together and it's such a key part of being human. And um, I was speaking to uh, you know. Uh, the MD at RGA just yesterday on the on the Pavilion podcast. He was talking. You know, they're 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 riding brief of being you know being getting closer to being human and stuff. And then that's, it seems interesting for such a competent digital agency to be saying that. And why why would they why would they extol and say that? Because actually, it's such a big part of of what we do, and it's quite difficult to distance yourself from that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's, I think that's TBD, you know. I think I, I think as as you said, what I thought was pretty interesting is you know the resilience factor um, meets the human needs reality. So what happens then if if you're sitting on sixty thousand square feet of real estate in the middle of downtown or midtown Manhattan, you might not want to use sixty thousand square feet of real estate. Yeah, I think I think the corporate. I mean, my my sort of personal view is that the corporate office is going to become the Apple Store, and you've got to you've got to go, you know, get rid of get rid of the sort of the, the, the factory like desks with keyboards and give people an experience of education and experience of customers, you know, things like that. So 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 you know your your own people will come in for an experience when they come in, yeah. um, and they'll come in to learn or be educated because I think that's you know that's it's a far faster bandwidth if you're. The right way although you know, people learn at their own rate and i think we're seeing an explosion of people learning at their own rate with with just the online tools and not as a group of people um yeah. but lots of interesting things going on in that space as well yeah I mean, we, we as we as an organization have gone 100 percent remote uh we've released our we've released any two two of the offices premises that we had in london mm-hmm. and um well we're not planning to go back to it yeah and are you hearing that from other people too well, I think across the network, um, there is, you know, a lot of the SMEs or small medium-sized enterprises on the network, they, they simply cannot weather two or three months without the revenue because uh, they're small organizations, small consultancies. Um, so, yes, ultimately they will. And, and this, this, this is why the WeWorks and the Spaces and all these sorts of places will, will disappear. A lot of their customers will disappear in the one-month contracts, which is part of the challenge with their business model. But actually, it's very attractive to the, to the business owner to have that flexibility. So... I think the, um, yeah, we're seeing a lot of that. There's going to be a lot of destruction before things, green shoots start to appear. So what are you, what are you seeing in, in, in London agencies? What's the, I mean, obviously you've got a different system over there where you've got staff being furloughed and paid for by the government. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little different here. So, yeah. I think, so is there, what's the timeline on that? Uh, I think it's just been extended by a month now from from now. So there's going to be a, you know, a slightly extended period of that furlough. Um, you know, it, it is, you know, I think ultimately, if you think about 2008, there's $150 billion of, of uh, government money you know, required, which put us into austerity. And now we're at $350 billion. So there's going to be quite a significant downturn, even comparatively to 2008. So, um, you know, I, I think people will need to advertise and come up with good ideas and reform around new businesses to to you know kind of help pull people out of out of a 
out of a you know the recession and i think this is going to be a long hard period of time yeah yeah for sure but uh but no i think i think to be nimble to be small to be have one you know low overheads to be ideas based is actually quite a promise it's in the digital landscape quite a promising space to be in um you know i, I think there's lots of people that have, it's just a world that i understand very well and i think you know you can i'm sure all these people if even if they've lost big clients they can find other ones and still consult yeah no i mean yeah there's, de there's definitely definitely needs um it's just the the you know what i what is somewhat of a concern is that there is a bit of an oversupply. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, the advertising business has always been very fat and uh, filled with, with with a lot of people. Um, but I think that's probably because of the structure of it and the client money, whereas I think the accountability piece, and I think the structural change and the, and the destruction of some of the larger advertising agencies that we're going to see is because of clients, although they want their problem solved and they want a creative partner, they want it done at a transparent pricing point, um, which which is possible now because of digital. Um, when 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 optically it wasn't so possible to see which side of your advertising budget was working, which side wasn't. But I think now there's much more accountability, uh, and accountability doesn't mean that you you know there's no opportunity to make any money or make some margin on it. But you've just got to be providing the value. I think. Yeah. So I mean, uh, the, the 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 reality is. People got people got wise to wise to the game that agencies were playing. You know, it seems to me that 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 there was a bunch of old school thinking that thought that thought this model would survive, and the clients were smarter than that. And after a while, they realised that they could get stuff done cheaper and faster. And also, I mean, I think as soon as as soon as you start moving to a project, I don't know how agencies make money. Yeah, I mean it's 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 very challenging. I mean, I think there's cornerstone clients that depend on you know their, their large agencies, and, and you know they, they, these agencies actually are a crutch for a lot of these clients, and, and you know, they take my marketers. You know, marketers don't know how to do stuff without their agencies, but until they lose that dependency, um, but again, the world does get more complex, and you know sometimes the cost is you know it's a, one one important factor, but it's not everything. Yeah, no, that's that, that, that's true. So, um, other than um, other than um, being more nimble and agile, when you think of your forward planning, is are you interested in in recruiting new different types of talent to your network? I think it's it's a very very good question. It's one that I get asked an awful lot, which is if you've done this for this number of creative people and you've provided this, these projects and opportunities for them, could you do it in another industry? Now, my answer to that is, you're as good. You're only good at what you know, right? And this is you know we went from being wedding videos to building a production company to building an agency to building uh, now a virtualized network of creative talent. So that's a very deep focus in very niche area, and I think that's why. And then we stuck at it, pounded away and pounded away. I think if we were doing it for, you know, a nurse bank or for lawyers or for whatever else, that wouldn't work. But yes, in terms of the creative sector, of course, you know, you can add more games uh, designers. You perhaps you could add BIM architects. You know, perhaps you could add all these types of creative roles that are going independent uh, from from a more bigger structure. I mean, I think don't, don't forget of a business, a, a limited company or a business entity is is actually a legal framework that's built to absolve directors of liability. And that's the reason why a business is created ultimately. I mean, actually, really, when you think about it, it's just people and it's people in a big building and lots of people or small numbers of people. Now, some of the projects that we were taking on when we first started building Atmovidium were vast, actually, in scale and size. And the number of people that were running them were two or three people. And they were projects that would have needed 60, 70 people to run historically. Mm -hmm. Or, but, but, but because of the nature of the network, the speed of which we can get feedback, the speed of which we can get pricing, the speed of which we can get availability, the speed of which we can get pitch boards passed back and forth, because, you know, you know, ultimately it's a competitive environment and you know, the network has a way of putting things out to tender that gets results back. You know, these tools mean that simply it was, you know, it, you know it, you're just a different operating system to the traditional larger structured agency. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, I mean, I think, 
going forward, I think for us, um, actually it's about more focus in creative customers and white hot folks that understand what's going on in the structural landscape. So if I think about a great business that really has always been five or 10 years ahead of the, the kind of, in the content creation space, I think of a business like Red Bull. So Red Bull has been in-house production, developed the media business to, promote, to do their marketing, uh, all sorts of you know, amazing sort of event-based stuff. Uh, the GoPro came along and accelerated their user-generated piece. Um, but they, they as a business have always been avant-garde and out there producing branded entertainment and marketing effectively. And, and people have copied them and emulated them. But now there are other leaders out there that are beginning to do these sorts of things. And, and I think the, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, if you, if you're, you know, there's some really interesting things that digital distribution have brought up. In fact, I heard a stat the other day that, you know, if you want your kids in a year to watch 14 days of adverts, uh, don't get a Netflix description uh, subscription. But if you don't want them to watch 14 days of adverts, get a network Netflix subscription. So it's like, you know, people are choosing very interesting ways of accessing content. Um, and I still think I still think the good stuff rises rises to the top, and the stuff that gets people collecting around it, and that that should be celebrated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, was, I, I go back to your point about creativity. It seems like there's a lot there. You know, I, I I never believe a person who can write a thirty second TV commercial can write a feature film, and vice versa. Yes, but, I think that's quite interesting. So, yeah. what do you say? They're different skills. Yeah, I, th I, I think, and I think, I think there will be organisations that appreciate that and actually start to do that on behalf of brands. Um, so, whether it's whether it's documentary um, sponsored by brands or long form content, I. I I, I sort of feel, um, you know, you, you've got everything from one second to 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 a fifteen-hour series, really, um, that has the potential for a brand in terms of content. And I think as you look along those different time lengths, you see different levels of expertise. Um, and as you and, and as you dissect those in terms of the role, whether they're entertainment or whether they're utility or education, then you start to see different specialists um, being particularly good at those. So I think if you move away from the TV commercial, the commercial like object, and you move into other things that are creative, visual, um, it seems like a, a quite an interesting, quite an interesting space. Um, in terms of uh, the type of talent that you need to make that happen. Yeah, and I think I think as well, you know, when you know you talked about the proliferation of platforms and all these things, and everyone rushing to make stuff for these platforms. I mean, I think there's a certain, you know, confidence required to say, actually, you know, hold 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 on, the, we don't need to rush to make for this platform. You know, this is not right for us. You know, we don't have to do it just because it's in vogue, or we don't have to do it just because it's here. Let's do better stuff here. Yeah, um, but I also think that is there is inherent conflict as well. So, for example, you take TikTok, or you know, exploding right now. Um, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people that are really exceptionally talented and good at that, but only basically, you know, on their own agenda, creatively. And 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 then to the moment you associate that with a brand, there's a half life to the creativity or a half life to how interesting it can be. You know, the the, the decreasing graph there. Um, until you get someone who is so passionate about a brand that they're internally a TikTok creator for that brand, you know, it's, it's, you've got to you've got to be the DNA of the brand, or you've got to be not to you to blend to blend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you either got to, you either got to be a very talented outsider, yeah. or you've got to, you've you've got to be a very creative insider. Yeah, that's really the, the, yeah. the talented outsider piece. The brand very rarely commissions because who does that at the risk of their job? Yeah. yeah. Only, yeah. the, only the extreme and the radical. Yeah. The, only the extremely radical, the very competent, or the business owner commissioner. Yeah. Um, so, so that's quite a that's quite a challenge. And I think, you know, again, it leads you onto the influencer piece, and you know, managing influencers and blah blah blah. That's herding cats. It's like managing. You know, it's very very difficult 
uh, reputationally it's difficult, you know, mm-hmm. what these things are problematic, going to lead you into the Hollywood agent model, which was there for a reason when there was, you know, difficult to communicate with each other and there wasn't total transparency. So, I mean, the transparency does cause a problem from price for sure, but what level do you want to bother about that versus the value that it's bringing? I think value is the thing that needs to be discussed. I mean, how valuable is it to the bigger picture? I mean, again, back to the Joe Rogan piece, I mean, he is valuable to Spotify, but, um, you know, you know, underpaid him by about 900 million, in fact. <laughs> yeah, well, fascinating. Yeah, um, and then I think you've got the other thing, which is, you know, along your pathway and trajectory, most of them have forgotten about the viral video. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the, the mentioning with the virus in any context, apart from the current one, is quite difficult. I'm not, not going to leave good connotations. But, but, okay, yeah, but the viral but video... The, the viral- um, the viral, yeah. Sorry, did I miss that? Uh, I mean, I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I'm just saying, you know, you, you're, you're part of a, this is an industry that's part of whims and, and fads and fashions, and uh, the gorilla video <laughs> still sounds doesn't sound right. Um, you know, was was a thing. You know, and why it was a thing was you could do it organically. You didn't have to pay. Then the channels got wise and now our biggest issue is is that those channels that were free are now expensive yeah yeah well that's that's it i mean that's this the complex challenge of you know, le- you know working in an algorithm based system where there's five or six big algorithm players that kind of eradicate brand for everyone else um yeah. you know and i think you know in the world of alexa or you know voice brand mm. eradicated even further because you don't have any visual to see so you mm. know you know when uh, when i'm when i go alexa can you send me some batteries or you know can you send me some duracell and go i don't know what you mean whereas you go, can you send me some batteries they'll send you their own brand very easily yeah. um so there's all these sort of interesting um challenges but i think i think actually max the viral piece like viral is very fleeting uh you know and i think yeah, I think people are kind of wise to that. I think, again, coming back to the value piece, like well, this is why the education, building a masterclass education series or building some content which people kind of really latch onto and depend on and can build, you know, everything's got shorter and shorter and faster and faster and had to get bigger and bigger distribution. Well, suddenly when everyone's remote and you know, disconnected, and you, you might have to extend the timeframes of these things and give people a bit more value and things to think about. Yeah. No, I mean, I, def- I, I, I definitely think I think that I think that's um, that makes sense. Um, I, I mean, certainly for your, I mean, my dad is coming up for eighty, but he's an avid photographer, and he's he's just I don't know how, what different brands he's got, but he was raving to me the other day about Nikon on yeah. Nikon, and everything's online. I, you know, I, I don't have enough time to do all the courses. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. It's it. You know. Um, which is again, again, it gets things get niche and niche and niche, don't they? I mean, if when everyone's connected, you can find your niche tribe, and he, he mm. might be the eighty-year-old Nikon niche. <laughs> um, but I think yeah, these are the interesting audiences. Oh yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's it's about zeroing in on your, you know, you can just, I mean, you look at camera marketing, and it's pretty much all. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of stuff from HQ. They'll, they'll do a launch. They'll do a launch announcement. Mm. Um, but it get, you know, there are, I mean, I know them all because I'm big into photography. So I know all the people who do reviews and the characters. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're the people who get the prime positions in the press conferences and they're the ones who get the cameras to review. And they're the ones with the big audiences. Yeah. It's interesting. The quality, the quality of the marketing of these things, though, is... is is not evolved i don't think like it needs to to kind of really get out there and that's actually that's another thing that we find about the direction of our business we find you know, large global creative companies that sell software or hardware you know, coming to us saying look we have a factory and we have some third-party distribution but you know we would like to have a conversation with our customers could could you help us with that mm-hmm. as they historically haven't done you know they've done the press launch and done the one get the bloggers in and that's that and then they de- de- depend on the resellers and the and the distribution they don't actually have a relationship with the customer and i think in a one-to-one world or digital world you have to have a relationship with the customer 
um, because that's too valuable. Otherwise, you're you're letting a lot of the value go to middlemen. Yeah, Adobe is Adobe is an interesting. Yeah, what do you make, what do you make of that setup? <laughs> I mean, I mean they're they're fundamental. I mean, people, creators can't create without Adobe. Yeah, I mean it, it's as fundamental as your Mac. And um, but I, I agree. I think uh, I struggle with um, getting getting. I, I I don't know what what it is. It's I mean they they're obviously making things making educational things. Um, I don't know. It's just it's it's just kind of weird. I mean I see some of their ads. Um, I I get prompts constantly in Lightroom about some tutorial, but I never feel like I want to. Want to take it? Uh, I don't know why. I'm much more. You, you know, there's something. Do you know Peter McKinnon? Have you heard, no. heard of him? The name rings a bell, but what's that name? He's just a fascinating guy. He's a he's a Canadian photography influencer. And someone told me they someone did a calculation. They reckon he makes a million and a half at least a year. Okay. Um, um, no, he's got different lines of business. He's got he's got his YouTube channel. Uh, he's got partnership deals with like bag makers and stuff. He makes yeah. his own. Yeah, he makes he made he went and made his own filters. Okay. Um, but he's super. It's interesting. It's just the corporate voice. There's something about an individual who's objective. That and you know these YouTube stars they straddle a very fine line you know, between being entertainers and being salespeople. Yeah. Uh, if they push it to too far entertainment, they don't make any money. If they push it too far to sales, they don't get any credibility. And you have to draw, you have to be very, very good. And he's very, very good. Um, yeah. uh, he's super entertaining and super charismatic and super generous. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, those are the reasons for his success. When I look at a brand, I just don't, I just don't, I just feel like I'm going to get something that isn't, is going to be a one dimensional sale and it's not going to be especially entertaining. Um, yeah, that's, that's I don't, true. I, 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 yeah, you know, even, I mean, I thought the best, I think that some of the, one of the best things Adobe ever did was the, um, the challenges, you know, like the Photoshop challenges when they took, you know, two yeah. designs and they, you know, I thought that was brilliant. You know, that was like, okay, you're bringing us something that's very entertaining. You're using your platform um, and you're creating original content. So yeah, was kind yeah. of like, you know, that would be maybe where you want to go with Adobe is to, it's, it's the, I think your Red Bull example is really great, but Red Bull seems to have gone off the, they're off the radar screen too. Yeah. There used to be every, everyone, you know, five years ago, everyone was talking about Red Bull and you had the balloon jump and they seem to have, I think, well, he spent, I think he spent all his money in Formula One. Yeah, well, that's probably true. <laughs> but no, it's, uh, no, you're right about the Adobe. It's an interesting one, isn't it? And I think it's, it's difficult. I mean, again, the collection, I mean, I think that's what's interesting about the Movidian brand is actually that we're, we're, nothing, we're nothing apart from a collection of people. <laughs> so you get, the, you get the people vibe from it. And you're, you know, we're recirculating the work and the talking about the community. So really it's, because of the technology, it's multiple different cultures, multiple different people, multiple different things. It's not. It's not about, you know. Yeah, your brand is in the background. I mean, that's the that's the point. You're you're a, you're a glue. You're a facilitator. Um, you're an enabler. But yeah, you're you're enabling these people, and I think that to me gives you kind of an interesting role in terms of like how you could celebrate that. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point you make. And I think as people, especially as big organizations, have to build more purpose into what they're doing. Yeah. And I think that is interesting because I think, you know, if we can help Unilever or Procter & Gamble or whoever find people who are absolutely passionately active on an issue that they are also pursuing, it's much better than an agency finding a producer who finds the person they're at university with who swings a camera. Who, who they happen to know or have worked with historically, you know, and I think there's a lot more value to be had in finding the, the passionate filmmaker. In fact, we often, you know, we, we were in a, quite early on in the journey, we were on a presentation and um, we were presenting the network of Movidium and, and, a, and a, guy, a guy or a girl, I can't remember which now, said, said oh, you know, we need this volcano in, in, you know, the middle of Southeast Asia filmed. And uh, Alex pulled up 
a female DOP who was sat on top of that volcano blogging about it on the Mobilium network. It was like, that's the right person for you. Why? Because of this, because of this, because of this, because of this. Uh, and she's been there, she's got the gas mask, she knows the local permit, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's, so it's just, it's just like things, you know, I think people, I think people are, I think date, the word data has been, it's, it's really interesting. And I think people think they understand it. And I think they really, really don't. And I think data is just so useless without interpretation and intelligence. Yeah. And, and how you use data, just collecting it in sums. And the people collect a lot more data than they actually use. Um, in fact, I'm using an analogy, it's kind of like a fish tank feeding fish. You know, if you, if you feed your fish and feed, overfeed them, the kind of all fish feed de de develops at the bottom of the tank and sits on the bottom and the fish don't get the benefit of it. Um, you know, you've got to be using it. You've got to be using tools to mine it. You've got to be finding connections. You've got to be looking internally, not externally for data. You're collecting so much and there's so much value that's in the bottom of the fish tank that's not being used. And you'll look at tools like Looker that multinational businesses will use, data tools like that. And, and that's an amazing start. But I think a lot of big companies, and I think Movidium are really keen to do more of this, is offer value by putting business intelligence on our own data. Because if we can draw better connections and better matches and better creativity, not, not just like a matching algorithm, but abstract connections, it's really, it really gets very, very interesting for clients. And that way we'll be able to you know, present to clients based on a trajectory of their marketing without having them as a client and things like that, knowing that we'll have a better team of people to work on it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've just been, um, I, I, I think you might, it'd be interesting. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you do it because I'm, 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 I'm not up to speed, but it seems like I, what I was kind of hinting at, I guess, earlier was being your own storytellers. And I think it's the data around the storytelling combined. I think it's, it's, it's having a profile of that Indonesian lady on the volcano and what yeah. she did that is combined with the data becomes really powerful. Exactly. So, so you're talking, you've exactly defined what Movidium is. Movidium is the fusion, it's the yeah. process of art and science. Um, and I think that is exactly what it is in the long term and it is for the future, which is, you know, you know there's, there's no way that the current structure of hierarchy and agency can support the amount of platform and creativity required by brands and others, you know, new, new entities that are needing to pay for it. Uh, and therefore, we will, we're here to capture talent as it leaves those agencies on, on a community net, on a network where they can provide data for value. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's, I think there's some other interesting things. Like, um, I was talking to somebody the other day. I mean, agency employees like a lot of them like being agency employees. They don't like being business people, and that's a big problem. I mean, yeah. you've got a bunch of people who are out there who, who, who know how to be art directors or um, production managers, producers, but then no one's told them how to run a business. They, they might not have wanted to. No, I think, I think that's true. I, I think that's true. But when businesses get thinned down massively by events that are happening now, I, I don't think there's a choice, actually. No, I, I agree. I, I agree. I don't think there's a choice. I just think there's a role to fill. Yeah. Know. It, it, you, you know, you help them, you can help them. I mean, you can help them get the insurance. You can help them. Exactly. Find a oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the, mar the, yeah, the market network concepts. In fact, I can help them at a much better cost than them doing it themselves because I've got yeah. 20,000 other people doing it. Yeah. yeah, you've got the power of economies of scale. So that's nice. Exactly. And, and, then, and therefore, if they participate and study and connect, I can then give, I can give them certification and I can present them to people. So, so it's that whole idea of, of from beginning, you know, so this is why we talk about, you know, taking people for very early on, you know, I mean, historically a bank has done it in a bank, you go to a university, you get, you get your university bank account and then you end up getting your mortgage with that bank. Right. So if you can start working with people really early and build them and build them and build the profile, um, you know, of course you do, you, you've got to make sure that you're mining and looking at that profile data. And you've also got to make sure that they're sticking at it and being consistent because nothing happens overnight. Um, but uh, yeah, so these are all the interesting sort of things that we're thinking about. But I do, I think, I think the distributed long tail of creative people, 99.8% of them don't want to be business people. They want to just create output and do come up with good ideas and make cool shit. 
<laughs> no, and I, and I think there's you know, and I think there's also you know, years ago I did a lot of work looking at artists for Converse. We did a massive campaign. We basically turned our agency inside out to into a production company, and yeah. we we basically turned the consumer into the creator, um, which was the first time it had been done. And it, yeah, I think it's, I remember that. Yeah. And um, this ended up doing a lot of research with artists and, and, and it seems like there's a lot of, you know, I think of um, just really interesting stories are so inspirational for the young creator. They want to see themselves in someone else because it's, you can, you can show, you know, you can tell someone what Ridley Scott's done and they go like, I'm not Ridley Scott. I don't have 50 years of filmmaking. It doesn't really apply to me. But yeah. like, the, I read about this kid. There's a, there's a, there's a guy, an English guy in LA called Magnus Walker. He made, okay. he made a fortune in real estate. In fa- he first made his fortune in fashion and then he made it in real estate. And he has a giant warehouse in the industrial part of LA and it's filled with Porsches. He's an absolute Porsche fanatic. <laughs> and this, this filmmaker from Croatia wrote to him and said, I want to come and make a documentary. And he made this most incredible film because he found a subject that a lot of people had interest in but hadn't been found. And he was skilled enough to be able to pull it off. Um, you know, and that to me is like, those are the kind of stories, you know, that are... That are, that are kind of inspirational for uh, for a younger generation of creators because they, you know, I'm not sure, you know, they, they keep wondering how they're going to make it. And um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think yeah, no, you've got to get out there and you've got to find you've got to do that sort of stuff and you've got to go beyond the brief effectively and yeah, you've got to anticipate that things aren't going to be arrived to you in a sort of structured format from effectively what it might be historically like a teacher or a or a mentor. Yeah. But those are, you know, those are, those are, um, you know, those are the thing, the things that make a difference. And um, yeah. So anyway, I'm interested to see where where you guys had. It seems fascinating the journey so far. And um, appreciate your time. It was a no, good conversation. Well, Thank you so much. Ed, it's been great, to, great to chat. And thanks very much for your time. And and uh, look forward to catching up and on. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Have a good uh, rest of your day. Cheers. Ed. Thanks so much. Cheers. Bye. This is your host, Ed Cotton. Thank you so much for listening to Inspiring Futures. Until next time.